everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Asian Globe Podcast. I'm April. I'm Jackie. Today we're sitting down virtually with Kat Liu, founder of Subtle Asian Baking. You might have heard of these subtle Asian communities as they are pretty widely known for sharing things that are super relatable and subtly Asian. Kat was raised in Brooklyn, New York and currently lives in the state of Washington. Since starting Subtle Asian Baking, Kat has built a community over 300,000 plus followers across all her different social channels, including Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. She's raised thousands of dollars for the Asian community and has been featured in Eater, BuzzFeed, King Arthur Baking, and so much more. So Kat, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We're so excited to chat with you about what you've been up to and your brand new cookbook that's coming out this summer. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. Of course. So I know I gave a super brief intro, but would love to learn some more about yourself from anything I haven't covered. Yeah. So in 2008, I graduated with a doctor of physical therapy, also the master's and then a bachelor's in health science. So I always figured that I would be in healthcare as some kind of doctor because that was really my parents' dream because all they knew back then was that doctors had very stable careers and they could Mm -hmm. sustain themselves. At the same time, when I turned 18, my mom was also encouraging me to get married and I don't understand that. So you want me to have a stable career? Do you want grandchildren? They were very conflicted messages right? that I was getting. <laughs> so for 13 years up until when COVID started, right? I think that was when a lot of people reflected, had some time to their, themselves, were staying at home. Lots of changes, right? People were getting divorced. People were changing careers. I felt that, you know what? I've done this for 13 years. I'm feeling burned out. You know, shootings have been happening. I was working in school systems. I was working in universities. And I always have to look left and right in the hallways because I get scared for myself and for the students I was treating. My door was always locked when I was not treating students. And then I was at home doing remote physical therapy. And I felt even more burned out now that I couldn't see my students in person, right? Mm -hmm. But what brought me a lot of joy was baking. And I finally had my own kitchen now that I've moved from New York to the Washington State area. I have a big enough kitchen where I don't have to stuff my pots and pans in my oven. And I was baking, baking, baking. Of course, during COVID, baking even more. Really nostalgic for comforting flavors, for milk bread, mooncakes, all those things that you share with your families during holidays. And that's when I thought, hey, we need a space like Subtle Asian Baking. I didn't think of it as Subtle Asian Baking back then, but I couldn't find that kind of space. So when you can't find something that you're looking for, I was like, yeah, let me just make it because I'm always starting things, right? And I guess that's how Subtle Asian Baking started back in 2020, right around the start of COVID time. Yeah, that's awesome. What inspired you to do specifically Asian-inspired baked goods? Yeah, so when I started baking, it was 2017 when I moved here. And it was all about French-style macarons and banana (laughs) breads. Yeah, with all the cute designs. Yeah, all of that. And then I really wanted to make that Japanese cheesecake because it's one of my favorite desserts. Ooh, the very fluffy one. Yeah, the very fluffy one (laughs) that comes out of the oven and jiggles. And then when you put it into the refrigerator, (laughs) it becomes denser, like a lighter cheesecake. Yeah. And then I wanted, you know, egg tarts during COVID. We were told to stay home, right? You remember all of that. We're (laughs) isolation at home, only go out and get your essentials and necessities so you're not going to your Asian bakeries and I'm missing like I said the mooncakes the milk breads the mochi and those are the things that bring me back to my childhood the stories you know my mom's black sesame soup she's in New York I'm in Washington State so that's why I guess 
I wanted to bake so-called the Asian way or the subtle Asian way because it was bringing me that comfort, the nostalgia that I was craving so much while we were you know, struggling through the early days of COVID. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate. I feel like in 2020, I left New York to be with my family and they're in Las Vegas, actually. So during that time, I think leaning into those, I guess, Asian flavors and just like cooking with my mom and just being with her was something that really brought me back to my own childhood and just brought back like a sense of familiarity in a time that was just so chaotic Mm -hmm. Um, and like you just didn't know what was going to happen next. So I think that's really amazing that you took that and built such a big community for yourself and I know that it's something that's like your baby almost like I know you have an actual baby but I think that's so great yeah I I do look at subtle Asian baking as a baby and also as a startup because it's still you know it's it's second year anniversary but it's still relatively new and -hmm. all of us are in this as volunteers we've never had this kind of experience right I didn't expect a group that started with a hundred of my friends that I invited from Facebook to snowball into thousands and thousands of members within like the first few weeks. So, yeah. I guess this is just something that people really wanted and really needed. So it's amazing that I think you were probably like the first or one of the first people to do something like this. So you mentioned you were working physical therapy like in schools and whatnot before you started or jumped into content creation full time. So how long were you doing that actually before you decided? And then I guess on the flip side also, How did you decide to take it on full time? Yeah, so physical therapy started in 2008. The school system was when I moved here to the Renton area. So that was, I figured it would have been the best final physical therapy job for me. I've had over 10 already. And this would be a job where I would have a pension. My calendar would sync with my son's because he's in the same district. You know, I'd have a stable nine to five and also a good salary. But then, like I said, In the back of my head, I was always thinking, you know, got to be careful, right? Yeah. So then I thought, you know what? Now it's time for me to do something for myself, right? If I'm I'm not always comfortable at work and I'm feeling burned out and I don't feel 100%, let's do something that brings me joy every day. Let's do something that I can feel proud of and have a lot of purpose. And at the same time, I can control my nine to five, right? I could be my own girl boss. When I was doing subtle Asian baking, it was outside of the times when I was working my job. You know, a lot of people were telling me that, yeah, I kind of cheated on my job to start my COVID baby. Then the opportunity came around December 2020 to write a cookbook. And I figured, you know, this is a good pivoting point because I also love writing and I find that I have quite a talent for recipe development. So I could sit there and write up a recipe and the time would just fly by and I'll be like, whoa, that's amazing. I just wrote something, created something, and there's the food right there. It works out. You know, it's a bit of science, a bit of art, creativity, baking all in one. And it brought me so much joy and it's still bringing me so much joy. So right after this podcast, I'm going to develop another recipe and then (laughs) turn it into content. So it all just flows so naturally. And I guess it it just happened very organically for me. That is really really amazing I would also love to know what is your relationship with food like have you always been baking since a kid or have you only recently started creating recipes I know baking has to do with a lot of science and measurements and making sure everything is exact and perfect did you take that away from your career and find that as inspiration (laughs) so I've always cooked being my mom's you know oldest in the household and helping her because she was always 
out, out and about and working. Mm-hmm. And the younger sister who's five years younger. So when I come home from school, I would help her prep the meals, you know, steam the fish, <laughs> boil the soups, make the rice. So cooking has been many decades for me. So that's very easy. But we actually never really baked any Western creations. I was always jealous of my classmates who brought in frosted cupcakes or cake pops. And I was like, how do people do that at home? I always thought it was so hard. Baking, like you said, it's a science. And if you're not a baker, a lot of people say this, like, I don't bake, I don't bake, you know? Then I realized I was like, hey, I could follow directions pretty well. Baking is actually not that hard. (laughs) This started in 2017, like I said, when I finally had my own oven and kitchen and a bigger space to, to bake in. And I started with all those Western creations first. Mm-hmm. Recipe writing didn't happen until 2020 when I started writing the book. And then I learned, you know, all the the ways to write recipes that are very easy to follow. A lot of people with ADHD also say to me that, hey, your recipes don't drive me nuts. Like I can actually follow them. And I guess, like you said, that could tie back into being a physical therapist because as a physical therapist, you're always teaching people something whether it's to exercise or how to take care of their bodies. So I think that was that was easing me in to become a content creator and recipe developer now. My appreciation of food has, of course, grown. I've always struggled with issues with eating, you know, gaining weight and fearing of the, of the gaining weight and then intermittent fasting. But nowadays, you know, I try to savor the food a little bit more. And whenever we go out to restaurants, it's for a purpose so that I could get inspired. Like we went to Musang in Seattle and they had a pendant panna cotta. And I was like, oh my gosh, this texture, the jiggly texture, the green, the things that they paired it with. I went home and made one myself in the microwave. (laughs) I love that. I saw that video. It looked so good. (laughs) Thank you so much. I haven't been to Seattle in forever, but I definitely need to check that out or maybe just try the recipe. (laughs) Yeah, the restaurant's great. You mentioned that you were going to develop a recipe after this call. Like, can you tell us what it is? I'm so curious. Yeah, it's going to be super easy, but I'm hoping that it'll get good reception. It's just going to be Greek yogurt and different types of food powders that are Asian inspired. And the different colors, so it'll be great for Pride Month. <laughs> it'll be frozen oh, yeah. as a yogurt bark. And I'll have a little bit of miso, so it's all subtly Asian. <laughs> <laughs> we love the subtly Asian twist. I'm curious, do you ever find it hard finding Asian spices and like powders? Ingredients. Yeah, like the main place is maybe H Mart and like yeah. the hidden. In New York, I feel like Jackie and I, sometimes we'll go on kicks where like Jackie was like, I really want to make miso cod or whatever. (laughs) And then it's like, okay, now we define all these ingredients. Like, I guess we can look on like Instacart or Chow Bus because, you know, in New York, we don't have cars and grocery shopping is kind of a struggle here. So Mm -hmm. we always order delivery, which I know is kind of crazy. I feel like for maybe people outside of New York, but it's what we do for basically all of our groceries. I guess sometimes we're going to go into Chinatown um, or Flushing, but those are like, we had to dedicate days to that. We had to plan a week in advance. Like, okay, on Saturday, we're going mm-hmm. to dedicate this day for grocery shopping. But And I'm bringing my like the little cart. <laughs> with a wheel. Little, the little cart. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like those Asian grannies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm when I go out to Chinatown or Flushing, like I'm buying so, so much yeah. just because we're a little further out mm-hmm. and I need a, some way to carry it, but that's the only way. And I'm like, I need to stack it all. and get all Yeah. Out. Like, so it is harder for us to find ingredients. How was that like for you in Washington or even when you were in New York? 
Well, in New York, I only went to like Whole Foods and my mom was the one who was shopping. So we lived in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, and there's a whole strip of Asian grocery stores. But the funny thing was she was walking distance from these supermarkets with lots of Asian things. She would always go into Chinatown to get her things. <laughs> so I hear what you mean. She'd have that cart and then she'll go up and down those Grand Street stairs. And I'm like, mom, you're crazy. Just shop in <laughs> Bensonhurst, please. <laughs> Wait, doesn't Bensonhurst have like a ton of, isn't it like almost like Brooklyn Chinatown? Yes. Yes. But then like my uncle from Flushing would come into Bensonhurst and say, oh my gosh, I love it here. And I'm like, I love it in Flushing. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> We're never happy. But in Washington, we have so many, like I live in this unicorn city called Renton and it's the best kept secret. So I don't want anyone to come here (laughs) because we love it so far. And then people just keep thinking that Seattle sucks. That's fine. (laughs) But we are so close to Ikea. We have something called Great Wall, which is this big supermarket that has 99 ranch in it. So huge with lots of Asian stuff and food. And then I'm also very close to South Center, where we have Seafood City, which is all about Filipino goodies. We're close to a lot of H-marts. In federal way, that's to the south. It's like a little Korean community in the Seattle area, Seattle suburbs. And then we also have like all these other stores, Awachi Maya, everything Japanese that you want would be there. So if you need miso or soy sauce or mirin, it's all there. So we've been very lucky. It's been very easy for me to source ingredients, but I still have to go to like my special places like for anything Japanese I would only go to Uwajimaya and anything yeah. <laughs> else I would go to like 99 Ranch or Asian Family Mart or Lamb Seafood and then there's also Sewi which is great if you want something that you can't find right away so I'm sure you guys are using Wii too and then Amazon for like I actually found black sesame powder on Amazon they just upcharge a little bit like if you want extract ube or pendant extract you could find it for a dollar 69 at a supermarket local supermarket but on amazon they'll charge like four dollars for it for the same thing oh wow yeah wow it sounds like you're super stocked like there's so many (laughs) options around you yeah yeah i'm never worried (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wish we had this many options in new york i feel like jackie and i are not the biggest chefs but we'll go we'll have kicks of like we really want to try this recipe Mm -hmm. or like we really want to make certain things so we're always on the hunt it's actually easier to drive here too how far is Renton from Seattle? It's like a 20-minute drive. So Renton is like, I would say, it's like a Brooklyn to Manhattan. Oh my gosh, it's so close. So when the, and the, It's not bad at all. So we're 11 minutes from SeaTac, which is the, the airport. And then we're also close to Bellevue, which is very heavily Asian community with lots of Asian goodies. You mentioned something about how you're very lucky to have the flexibility that you have and that you work very hard and that you went from a 9-to-5 career to a 7 a.m. to 12 a.m. daily career. So that is a lot. And I'm sure it's not easy with everything going on as well. Like, how do you handle that? Like, do you have any tips or just like, do you want to share how you manage your time and how you kind of jump back and forth between all the different hats you have to wear? Yeah, so there's no blueprint. There's no scripts for me. And then, you know, I always have to reach out to people for collaborations, for like, you know, podcast appearances and things like that. So what helps ground me is that even though I say it's like a 7 a.m. to 12 a.m., a lot of it is through thought processing, like planning for the next day, creative ideas in your head, right? So of course you could sit back, take a deep breath, you know, have some coffee and do all of that in your head. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> you know, planning things around other people from other areas. Like, so this is 8 a.m. for me, 11 a.m. for you guys. I just have to be aware of the time frames, right? Sometimes we have interviews with people in Hong Kong or like events with them in Hong Kong. It would be ungodly hours for us or for them. So like, it's a lot of planning and what helps is like being organized. And fortunately, I have a bit of OCD and I have a bit of like all these things that help me organize. I'm type A personality, right? <laughs> a little bit of ADHD <laughs> here too. So if I don't ground myself, I'll be all over the place. So I force myself to have this obsession to be very, very organized. Google Drive, Trello. Have you heard of Trello? Yes. Yeah, I use Trello. And then a lot of people use like, what's that thing they, they call? Not Skype, the other one. <laughs> Slack. Oh, they use oh. Slack. Oh, yeah. Slack. Yeah. 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 yeah, things like that. I actually wrote my entire manuscript for the book with all the recipes in Google Drive. And it was amazing. You know, it didn't have crashes. It was all saved into the cloud. I love that. And then just, you know, keeping on track and answering emails on time. If I don't answer something, I'll forget. And then I'll never get back to you. And that'll be terrible, terrible reflection on my end. Not very professional. And most importantly, I also like to micromanage a little bit. So that's why I sent over like an email to you guys saying, where's that link for Zencaster? I know, that's so funny. I sent it to you literally like two seconds after seeing your email come in. Right, I get a little nervous if I don't, I was like, ooh, am I going to miss something? So I, I think that anxiety stems from being a New Yorker for 30 plus years. I love how you're moving into this entire, like the, the girl boss era, doing everything on your own, you know, 7 a.m., 12 a.m. daily career, but it is also where your passion turns into where you don't feel like you're working anymore. But with that jump, I'm very curious how you learned the curation side, which is so completely different than the medical field. Very funny because I think I have to thank my ability to be a serial resigner. So I've had so many hats as a physical therapist. I've done a lot of everything. I've been a SharePoint webmaster for Visiting Nurse Service of New York. They're called BNS Health now. I've done education management. I've done a lot of you know, simple coding, making websites for celebrities back then when I was in college. You know, I love learning new things and I love doing things on my own so I don't have to beg someone and ask them for help. So I always jump in and I learn, you know. I'm sitting down with my son to learn Swift coding, right, to make apps for Apple, things like that. And he's eight years old. You know, we're both learning together. I just like to learn. So that helps, right? When I was a physical therapist student, I was also making games online for girls. They were dating sims on the web, right? And I coded all of that on my own. And I also drew like wow. all of the artwork that with a mouse. Crazy. Yeah, so I just drew in all my strength, you know, being able to talk to people and network, being grateful, you know, learning the creative side, having shot videos for YouTube, my own YouTube channel back then too. So it all take back all of the stuff that I've learn from the years and then put it all together into content management creation and social media management these days. Yeah, it sounds like you've always had a creative streak. Did you have any experience of writing before? Yeah, writing has always been a deep and long passion for me ever since I was very young. So right before I became a physical therapist, I actually thought about writing books and writing young adult rom-coms for Asian American audiences. You know, my oh, wow. yeah, <laughs> my characters were Asian American. I actually got a um, literary agent who was pretty big in the literary agency world in New York. I even signed a contract with her. We were working off my manuscript. And then suddenly she dropped me and then that really crushed me. 
And then I was hearing people tell me like, hey, you know, this is over 10 years ago, right? And they're saying Asian characters will not sell. Asian authors will not sell books, you know? So why not just give up on this dream? And and what I was hearing was like, yeah, Kat, just go into your stable career. Creative careers will kill you. You're not going to sustain the living. You're not going to have the life that you want. You're not going to be able to escape South Brooklyn, you know? So I, I let go of all of that, stopped writing. I just self-published the books that I already had written. They sold pretty well, like 50,000 e-copies online on my own on Amazon. Back then, it was less of a competitor, right? Less com- competitive people putting a lot of books on e- Kindle back then, right? But now there's a lot more. So it was easier to sell my books then. The funniest thing was this weekend, this past weekend, I was on a panel for Subtle Asian Book Club. And I was talking about the cookbook and someone wrote in the comments and they said, oh my God, I love Kat's books. I can't believe she's a baker Aww. now. How did I not know? So people were actually reading them and they they remember and so forth. So yeah, writing has always been a part of me. I'm, I've been published on the New York Times. I have my own blogs. You know, I have modernasianbaking.com with all the recipes. So writing just really comes naturally. It's easier than talking for me. <laughs> <laughs> what have been your biggest roadblocks and challenges when creating your cookbook and even baking in general as well? The cookbook, I think for me, it's just not having enough time. I really feel that Mm -hmm. authors should have at least a year or even two years to write their books. I was under a lot of pressure on a very strict deadline to deliver the materials. 68 recipes in six months with 23 recipe testers and me testing all the recipes. It was a crunch and it was stressful. And then that long stretch of marketing the book, the pre-order period is eight months long. So I think that was... the the toughest for me, like building all the content, trying to get viral so that people would buy the book, you know, and then also getting a lot of feedback where people would tell me and say, like, just let your food do the talking. Don't broadcast the fact that you're an Asian female author. It shouldn't even matter that, you know, your race and your, your sex shouldn't matter. Just that if you could make good food online and write a good recipe, that's all that should matter when you're marketing a book. So a little bit of that was what I was facing a lot of, especially during earlier this year. It sounds like as a creator and as a writer, you faced quite a bit of like, I want to say microaggressions. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's just so odd to me. It's like you're an Asian woman. Like, why shouldn't you represent that? Like, I think that's so strange. Have you experienced other things like that in your day-to-day with just posting on social media and stuff? When our videos on Subtle Asian Baking's TikTok and Instagram were going viral and getting a lot of trolling and engagement, there was also a lot of bullying. The barfing emojis, the disgusting emojis, people telling us our colorful breads were moldy, rancid, and disgusting. Getting very upset that I was making green bread or ube bread. (laughs) Yeah, saying like... Things like, how do you know it when your bread molds? You know, why are you not wearing gloves? Things like that. And then there was also some threats. People would say like, you know, you don't want to mess with me. I'll, I'll give them a witty retort or like I'll troll back and then they'll say something like, you don't want to mess with me. You don't know what we can do to you. Or like things like, don't come to Germany. We can't guarantee your safety. Oh, what? <laughs> because of the pandan bread? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then a girl had a total meltdown. She made a TikTok 
where she was screaming and yelling at me like don't make your effing bread you know you're you're calling us out your bread looks like moldy bagels blah 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 and she she like cried in that video i have oh it God. as one of the reels it's hilarious what am i doing you know now i'm just gonna be quiet <laughs> <laughs> no there's all types of people on, on the internet that's that's so crazy this reminds me of i think i actually talked to you about this before but a while ago i saw a video of this woman who she's like pretty big on tiktok i have no idea what her name is but she recreates recipes in her own way and i think uh. she was making like omu rice but then as she was making it she kept making comments about how like gross it was because the egg was so runny like why are people eating it like this Mm -hmm. and just like saying all types of things and she got a ton of pushback from people just saying like what do you mean there's other videos on her channel where you make things like eggs benedict your eggs are running there but because this is an asian recipe or an asian dish it's now disgusting because the egg's runny or something like that like it's so crazy Mm -hmm. there's a long-standing what is it conception that asian food is yucky dirty not as healthy and then a lot of people feel like they they need to make it healthier if you remember lucky lee's Mm -hmm. back then where they had to make their healthier chinese food there's just a lot of that the othering of asian culture and asian people i feel that it's getting better and it will get better you know i feel like we should we should embrace there will be more appreciation than the appropriation and the hate moving forward. It'll just take time for someone to reframe their thoughts. Like when she was making that, because it was a foreign recipe, she immediately figured that, oh, that's disgusting. Versus Eggs Benedict is a Western creation that she's grown up with. And immediately that's something that's appropriate and acceptable. It just takes a lot of reframing for people to do, you know, just be more open-minded. And I'm very grateful that I had that growing up. My parents and grandparents were always taking me to like new food experiences so that where if I don't like to eat something, I just won't eat it. I won't say that's disgusting because I know other people appreciate it and other mm-hmm. people have great stories to tell about that food. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know you mentioned earlier, too, how when you were writing your Asian centric novels or people said, you know, like people don't want to hear these Asian stories. And it's just so crazy now because I feel like in the more recent years, We've been seeing a lot more Asian-centric content come out, like especially, I don't know if you watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. with Michelle Yeoh. And it's such a great movie. And it's just like seeing that Asian representation and like them speaking in Cantonese and Mandarin throughout the yeah. entire movie, which is like exactly like how my family would talk, right? So it's just so interesting to see how things have changed over years. And there definitely still needs to be progress, but it's like, palpable like we can see it happening and yeah you know I'm excited to see like where where we go in the next couple of years yeah. and for the the next generation to be able to see more Asian creatives out on social media and movies and things like that it's very inspiring because just looking back as a kid you think that the route that your parents are telling you like go straight into the medical field go into this <laughs> right and you're like how could I ever be a creative but when you see other people kind of living their dream like and kind of, the way yeah and going through the challenges that you have to do but I think you're making such a big opening for people behind you who can possibly create yeah. something new and I hope so because growing up I don't remember seeing you know prominent Asian female bakers yeah I don't remember I only remember seeing Martin Yang with Yang Can Cook on TV and I'm much older than you guys <laughs> so like that that was my childhood you know me thinking that Asians just didn't really bake other than my grandma who I spent my summers with right we have a lot 
of things to be thankful for too. And I feel like we've been very collectively unified in our in sharing our stories and amplifying each other's voices. I was just talking to my husband and I said, do you remember having so many celebrations during AAPIHM in the past years other than like this year and last year? I was like, I don't remember. And we thought that it was a new celebration, but I think it existed since the 70s. Right. But now we're like so much more prominent. Our voices are heard. We're being more outspoken and we're not putting our heads down. That's the important thing. Like if you're going to be bullied and trolled online, I feel you should speak out so that other people will speak out and other people will know how to deal with this. I'm an adult who's almost 40. Right. Imagine someone running my accounts was younger with not my experiences and they took it very personally. A lot of people will commit suicide due to cyberbullying. It's one of the leading causes of our Asian American youth is suicide, right? So we do need to talk more about this. We do need to be more vocal and we do need to speak more about mental health. And of course, like doing what we're doing right now, lifting each other and empowering each other and amplifying our own voices. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's nice that the subtle Asian communities are being brought up. It's like now we have someone to lean on because before, like you said, there was no, there wasn't social media to really connect us. And now being able to share stories, hear stories from around the world being like, wow, this person has experienced the same exact thing that I have, or even you cooking like this milk bread and you're like, love being able to look online now and have something that feels authentic and not like the current Western dishes. Now I can try to recreate something from my childhood because that stuff wasn't online before. And then now to have community to go to, it it feels really big, even though it is not as big as we think it is, but it's still growing. And hopefully it'll be a bigger community that reaches everyone, not just whoever is online. Mm -hmm. and has access to it. Right, right. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up mental health too because I know that you're currently having a fundraiser, right, for the Asian Mental Health Collective. I saw that you had, what do you call it, like a live baking session (laughs) to raise money. I think that's so great. Yeah, so we we did on Instagram, you could fundraise. So we did a fun reel with a lot of content creators who are pretty big in the baking world and they're all part of the AAPI community. And then so we encourage people to do bread, any type of bread this month. And and the hashtag is turning bread. So tomorrow's the last day for fundraising. (laughs) Wait, that's so cute. Yeah, it's just an Instagram campaign. And we've raised $2,200 in a month. I mean, our goal was $5,000. But like to be able to do that just from social media with like no advertisements, it's amazing. Just having bakers just donate directly. So that's one thing that we're doing this year for Asian Mental Health Collective. And then what I did for Tastemade, raising funds actually for the Rob School Memorial for the Texas School Shooting Relief Fund. So I almost raised up to $200 for from a live baking demo where I was making mochi waffles. And the other thing we're doing this this month is also to help stop Asian hate and amplify Asian voices. And that we've raised over $13,000 this year. So that's amazing. I love how you're taking your passion and something that you would already be doing, but taking it to give back to your community. And that's something that, you know, Jackie and I, we try to think about a lot. It's like, how can we serve our community here in New York? How can we give back? How can we be a bigger part of this community and caring about how you give back in your own way. And one of our most recent 
episodes with Main Street Patrol. Since all the incidents from 2020, all the Asian hate, they're a group that patrols the Flushing Main Street area. And we were just talking to them about how everyone can give back in their own way. Not everyone maybe wants to create a podcast or Mm -hmm. wants to start a baking channel, but like everyone can do something that serves them that can also still serve the community. So I think you're like a perfect example of that because you're taking what you love and mixing it in with how to give back as well. Exactly. And you don't have to do what we're doing. It doesn't have to be Stop Asian Hate. And I try to tell people never feel guilty about what you're doing as long as you're doing some good. And that's what we're all put on this earth to do is just do good every day, right? If you have a purpose, If you have something that resonates with your heart and you want to donate some funds and if you can, choose that, choose that fundraiser that you want to support. It does not have to be what we say that you need to support, right? This is just from us polling people like, who do you want us to help this month, right? Things like that. When we're done with the month of May, we're going to continue to fundraise. Like I fundraise throughout the year. I personally donate throughout the year. What I want to say is that never feel guilty about it because when we were fundraising for Stop Asian Hate and then the war in Ukraine started happening, some of our members were saying, oh, maybe we should stop donating to like we should stop fundraising for Stop Asian Hate because there's a much dire need in Ukraine. But understand bad things happen every single day. We can't just stop donating to the cause that resonates with our hearts and then donate everything to another fundraiser because it came up right as long as we're doing good it's okay to split our you know our hearts and donate to whatever we can and and we want to right because we're doing good so that's what I want people to know even if it's a tiny amount that's doing good so never feel guilty about it and just do it everything goes a long way I would love to do some fun questions of like, what is your favorite bakery item to make? And then if I was a starter, which I, a very beginner baker, <laughs> yeah. um, what recipe do you recommend? Sure. So like the beauty about baking the Asian way is that it doesn't always have to be in the oven. You could boil, you could fry, you could use the microwave. Like imagine if you make boba, you can make it in the microwave. I made the pandan panna cotta in a microwave too, and it and then I just chilled it, right? So my favorite thing to make, again, it's the thing that brings me back to why I started baking the Asian way, of course, is the Japanese cheesecake. The second thing that I really like to bake right now, and it brings me back to my childhood and relates back to my 61% Vietnamese heritage, according to 23andMe, (laughs) 39% Chinese and 1% Neanderthal. So it would be the honeycomb cake, the pandan honeycomb cake, because my grandma like introduced it to me when I was very young, and it looked like a slice of jade. It's very hard to perfect, but once you perfect it, you're like, oh my gosh, I love it. I want to bake it all the time. I'm going to impress everyone with it. So those are the two, Japanese cheesecake and then the honeycomb cake. And what for you to make that's super, super simple, the mochi waffles or the mochi pancakes, super, super easy. And you can change it up, any flavors you want, any toppings you want delicious you'll take one bowl or you'll take a blender and you'll mix all of the batter together and that's all you do let it rest for a little bit take out a waffle maker or a frying pan if you want to make pancakes instead are all three of these recipes in your new cookbook yes they are (laughs) a lot of them are for free too on modernasianbaking.com I, I get what you mean about the the honeycomb cake where my mom will make one and like it's like a very popular Vietnamese dish, but it's oh. like hard to actually get the texture I right. I don't think I've ever had looks. it. 
It's it's really really good, but I think she made it once and she was like showing it off to everyone. She's like, I <laughs> Wait, did I it. See, I want to see pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and last question before we wrap it up: What's next for you and Subtle Asian Baking? Yeah, it's a a lot of things are upcoming. So there's a huge project that I can't reveal yet. And then the second thing would be I'm gonna write a second cookbook that's in the works. And then, of course, just going on some book tours. I'm going to be in New York on August at the You and Me bookstore for a book signing. And then we're also going to do like a little reunion for Subtle Asian Baking members. So a few people are actually flying in. It's very exciting. So, And then also just continue building our, our recipe collection, doing whatever we can. You know, I have so many ideas. It's just time and commitment. I love doing podcasts. I was like, maybe I could do like a, a monthly baking podcast and invite people on. You know, I've been on like 13 sure. podcasts now. Maybe I, I should start my own. Wait, that sounds so fun. So for us, we actually do monthly episodes. We used to do weekly, but it just became way too much, you know, like mm-hmm. on top of everything else. And the intention was never for this to like take over our lives, but it's just such a great way to meet super inspiring people like you and like learn about their stories and share it so i i think you should definitely do it that sounds yeah (laughs) maybe next year we'll we'll see if we could work that into we also have a new discord channel and then i also need to like step back and breathe and spend time with my kid you know (laughs) play video games you know and (laughs) take care of myself too right it can't be all consuming like you said now to wrap it up thank you so so much kat i really love this conversation because I think our relationship with food means so much to the Asian community and how we've grown up. Yeah. And I think what I particularly loved about this conversation was you've had so many experiences throughout your entire life and they all kind of brought you here to this moment now. And like you said, like we are a bit younger than you. So it makes me think about my own experiences and where I'm headed. So yeah, thank you so much again. Nothing is written yet. So whatever you want to achieve in the future, you are going to be the ones who write it, right? So you can achieve whatever you want. So yes, <laughs> unscripted. You are the director, the actor, the player. You are the boss of your own life. So I can't wait to see great things from both you and April and Jackie. I, I can't wait. Last thing, where everyone can find you, share your socials. Yeah, thank you so much. So on Instagram, it's subtleasian.baking. Same for TikTok, subtleasian.baking. We do have a new community. It's all about savory baking and cooking. It's called Subtle Asian Kitchen. It's at Subtle Asian Kitch, K-I-T-C-H. Modernasianbaking.com for all of our free recipes. We're also on Tastemade as one of their newest makers, Subtle Asian Baking. And then our cookbook is called Modern Asian Baking at Home. You could pre-order it worldwide at modernasianbaking.com slash pre-order. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. And we'll have a August. So hopefully meet you in person. Find us on your favorite podcasting platform and follow us on Instagram at Asian Globe Pod. Bye. See you soon.